You're listening to the voice of Howard Stern. Hello, you rotten little mudsucker. This is Alice Cooper. Hey, this is Justin from NSYNC. This is Rodney Dangerfield. Uh, hey, baby. Hellers the king. Oh. Hi, this is Jack. Just back up from the border for a short visit. You know what I'm talking about, pal? Hi there and welcome to another edition of The Horse's Mouth. You're in The Horse's Mouth and my name is John Teague. Well, let's get into it. Um, today I had none other than Sean Doherty uh, over for a chat and um, what an honour. What an honour. Sean has had such a diverse life, man. I mean, if you really boil it down, he's had a couple of dream jobs um, and now he's doing a hell of a lot to bring awareness into, well, you know, what is going on on earth today and especially in our small area here, but that impacting small area is plays into the whole world. So there you go. Um, I'll let the story with Sean tell itself, Sean's, Sean's life, Sean's points of view. Um, had a great chat. It was awesome. Um, super stoked and thanks for coming over, Sean. So this morning I woke up and I love it. I love it when I wake up and I've got a song in my head. I just love to get up and play the song, listen to it with my cup of coffee and uh, and read the BBC, you know, most read. I like to go and check that out. So this morning there was uh, an article in the BBC most read on Emiliano Zapata, and he was uh, a guy who spearheaded the Mexican Revolution um, back in the early 1900s. He was murdered. He was assassinated. Um, But there's a whole big kerfuffle at the moment um, because someone has done a painting of him and it depicts him, you know, like this dude's your traditional, you know, good-looking rooster. He's a good-looking, you know, if you look him up, look Google search him, you'll see he's got the big moustache, you know, big um, hat, cool dude, revolutionary, started a revolution. So um, someone has drawn, um, a, a done a painting of him and and it's him wearing high heels riding a white horse and, and sort of dressed like a lady. Um, and it's in the Mexico, um, you know, what do you call it? Art gallery. And um, there is, if you look, there's there's riots and all sorts of shit going on down there because part of his family are really upset that he's been um, painted in such a light. And, you know, I was sort of reading it and I was having a chuckle to myself and then I thought about it and I was like, well, this dude started a revolution that changed Mexico forever, you know, and he, and he probably he was a working man, he was a farmer, and he did a lot. He did a lot for the Mexican people. And then there's some dude I read on, and some dude just decided that there was so many, like, um, masculine-looking photos of him because he was obviously a masculine-looking dude if he's starting revolutions, that uh, this guy didn't just thought he'd paint him, you know, riding a white horse uh, in high heels and wearing not much looking very feminine, tongue-in-cheek, sure, fine, don't have a problem with art, love art. Um, but it's also, then when you when I start thinking about it, I thought, well, that's a little bit degrading to someone who actually shaped, you know, and, and stood up for the common person. And I sort of see now why people might be a little bit upset by that, especially the guy and his family. Um, and, you know, give it some context that perhaps it would be a bit like if, you know, I love Ned Kelly, Uh 
if someone drew Ned in fishnets riding a unicorn. <laughs> you know? Um, I don't know where I'm going with this, but I was reading it this morning and I was having a chuckle, but I was also conflicted. I was like, it's a little bit rude, but whatever. Whatever. Um, ah, hope you're having a nice day out there wherever you are. Uh, I could crap on about some other shit, but I won't bore you anymore. I'll just go and I'll let you enjoy the conversation that I had with Sean. I really enjoyed talking to him and um, I'll see you on the other side. To the test, went out there. I'd never been to Newcastle Uni, hardly been to Newcastle really at that point. Um, sat the first half of the exam, finished at lunchtime. This is at 17. This is 17, yeah. Yeah. Um, had my board in the car. Yeah. And I just, and I went, sweet, like this thing, I've got an hour and a half here. I'm fucking out of here. I'm going to go and surf. Um, didn't kind of really hadn't didn't have the lay of the land in Newcastle and realised how far out the back of Newcastle the uni is. Yeah, it's a fair way out. And then so I jumped in the car, bolted down to the surf and got to the surf, and it was pretty fucking good. And and I kind of so and you've probably seen where this is going, but I surfed for a while, kept going, kept surf. Eventually asked the guy what the time was, and it was ten minutes before the exam started. And I've just kind of looked around and I've just gone, fuck, you know what? I don't even want to be a doctor anyway because I hate blood. And I just, and the whole idea of, of I was think, already thinking ahead of having to deal with people with problems every day mm. was like, I'm just going, man, it's like, I'm seven, I don't want to do that shit. And so I just didn't go back. Awesome. Yep, just walked away from it. And then um, ended up enrolling in, I did a business degree, which, okay. I, which I was three years in which I was drunk. Uh, for the most of that anyway <laughs> <laughs> so let's back it up you grew up in foster yeah and so primary school high school in that zone yeah i moved to foster when i was seven yeah I was born in wollongong um right across the road from uh sandon point but then we moved to foster when i was seven um my parents had been publicans moved to foster my dad became a fisherman um from the pub to the boat yeah from pub to the boat yep so he he uh he ran nets in wallace lake and, and crab traps. So we had like mud crabs in the house all the time. What an unbelievable and upbringing. It was pretty sick. And we, so we were out in the boat with him quite a lot because they, you know, there was the whole, it was the sea change before the sea change was anything. Yeah. Um, and f there wasn't much in Foster at that point, but we were right on the edges of Foster. Um, like you were saying, you were down the edge with Riverside down here. Yeah. It was like kind of where we were in Foster. It was like, and we were boarded onto National Park, 50 yards from the beach. Um, it was like for a kid, mate, it was just like the land of milk and honey. It was... God's so is there the lakes in the back? Is that... Is yeah, it, yeah, yeah. The, the lake's in town, but it's, it's the whole area is called the Great Lakes. So you've got Wallace Lake, you've got Smith's Lake, which is a small one, you've got Mile Lakes, um, and then you've got the coastal, um, and the coast in between that. So um, did he have his traps in those lakes? Yeah, yeah, traps yeah. are in the lakes. So I'm getting yeah. visages of like in breath, you know, when they're in the tinny. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it's, and it's quite a big lake system, yeah. Wallace Lake. And it's the home of like the oyster industries. That's kind of was the main industry in the in the town. Um, so and the lake sprawled out. It goes forever. It goes all the way out the back. And so we did quite a lot of time out there. But um, but more time on the beach. You know, we were just beach rats. So um, it's famous for a few Noahs. <laughs> well, you know what? It is. It is now. 
But we had no, like back then, because we had no idea that Stockton Bite was the breeding ground for, for whites on the East Coast. Yeah. Which in Stockton, you know, Stockton Bite's only, you know, as the crow flies, it's not that far from Foster. Um, and we had plenty of run-ins, but like we didn't know that at that point. And also at that stage, the whites, whites were still being hunted at that stage. Okay, yeah. They were only protected. I think they were protected in 97, Yeah, it was around there. Yeah. yeah. So it's been a while. Like, and so there weren't actually that many. Like we used to serve Tung Curry Bar. Have you, you served Tung Curry Bar? No. It was, mate, it's just, and I can blow it out of the water now and tell everyone about it because it doesn't break the way it used to anymore. Um, but we used to surf it all the time. And it's it's the the mouth of Wallace Lake, okay. and it'd be sharky as shit. It's like <laughs> I don't know if you've seen a lot of these, a lot of this drone footage. You've seen there was one that came out probably a month ago with a kid with a white just like swimming around a kid. Yeah, I think I did see that. Yeah, yeah. that's Tung Curry. So that's right there. Oh, hold on, that break wall that ricochets is that just it's north of um ah. Uh... Where'd that guy get hit? Bull Paddock? Oh, yeah, yeah, Bull's Paddock. It's yeah. just north of there? Yeah, well, yeah, it's just north of there. I've surfed that break wall. Mm. There's those break walls and they're awesome yeah. A-frames. Yeah, yeah, that's Tung Curry. So a mate of mine surfs up there a lot and he sent me that. Yeah, I've seen it, but, it, but they clip it just before you see what happens. Mm, it looks like it's going to fucking hit him. Yeah, totally. It's just cruising around him, you know. You can kind of tell when they're frisky and, they're, and they know there's, they're on the hunt for something. This thing was just taking a little Sunday swim. Yeah, okay. So but it, was, it was pretty crazy footage because the kid was completely oblivious to the fact the shark was there. Did you see the one, um, it wasn't a shark, but at uh, Dana Point with the whale that just cruised into the bay and threw about 30 people? Did you see that? No. Nah. This whale's like 30 foot. Mm. No one saw it except for a kid again and yeah, he yeah. starts scampering. But this thing's fucking giant, yeah. shallow water, and I was just watching it just going, if something that big... Can just, swim in unnoticed. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Mate, we, you wouldn't even know what goes under you. It, um, <laughs> it's, it's, but we had grown up, like, we didn't even know. Like, we didn't think about it. We'd surf, we'd paddle out, because you'd paddle out from inside the, on the outgoing tide. You'd paddle out from the inside, from the lake, so it took you out. And you would just, it would just be the sharkiest thing. You'd never think of doing it, you know, these days. But, um, but yeah, the banks haven't been there for probably 20 years. You know, it breaks when it's really big. But it doesn't like it used to be. It used to break at four foot. Yeah, it was, right. it was like one of the best waves on the east coast. Hmm. What what stopped it? Uh, well, there's a couple of theories. One, when we got there, Tunkari, it was basically just all sand. Like you, where you parked, you parked three or four hundred meters from the beach. You had to walk across, and it wasn't even dunes. It was flat sand. So, but what happened? That all got planted out, like by June Care, planted it out, and held all the sand. And that's the theory is that it um it needed that, this that movement. Was, that was the sand that fed a lot of and that, that's how the sand came in and out and and ended up out the back. So and that's been that's been planted out for probably about the same time it hasn't broken. Yeah. Okay. So that's kind of the theory. And the and the beach isn't as big as it used to be. Yeah. But um And so was your old man happy with his move from being a publican to a fisherman? I oh, he liked the hours. Yeah. Definitely. Because I think being a publican you're um you're nocturnal, I yeah, think, yeah. for for most of it. Um, whereas a fisher, it's kind of almost works the other way around. You're up at, you know, you're up at four, and out and and out, and you're back home. But the thing is, you're back home by, you know, lunchtime, so you get the day to yourself. And so, um, high school, mm-hmm. 
were you academically driven, surf driven, combination, like yeah, you, balance? Com- yeah, combination. Yep. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, we, we were all surf rats. Yeah. So we, I actually went to school in Taree, which is like half an hour north. So we had to get on the bus and go to go to school. It was actually an hour each way. So yeah. We lost lost huge chunks the other day, and Taree sucked. I fucking hated, <laughs> hated that place. Um, and I'm glad the high, highway bypasses it now because they don't even have to go back there. Um, but we had a cool group of crew. The, the good thing with being there was that, that all of my friends were the guys that lived in other parts of the coast because Tari's in the centre of this big district. Yeah. So all the crew from Old Bar, all the crew from you know Saltwater Wallaby, um, crew from Crowdy Head, crew from Blackhead, crew from Foster. So we, we ended up kind of with this, this crew all spread around. So whenever we wanted to go surf their ways it was all good and they come down and hung with us yeah it was kind of nice that way and um so the right point mm-hmm. does it get like i've never seen it really good are you at salt water or tongue curry no at your hometown foster oh the in town yeah yeah the right yeah hayden's <clears throat> yeah it's pretty amazing um it needs because what you've got you've got a like a reef that sits out the back which is hayden's rock yeah so it actually it's kind of like a shark islandy kind of deal, so it breaks around the back of it, and then. But what happens is then it links when it's got proper size, and it needs it needs east swell more than south because it's like a almost north facing. Um, but then it wraps all the way in and comes goes past, you know, goes in past the ocean pool and ends up on Foster Main Beach. We've had yeah had amazing days there. And that that still gets really good. Yeah, right. That's mm. that's sick. Yeah. So okay, so. High school, you've done your medical, you've decided you don't want to be a doctor. Yep. And are you, are you still in the water at this point? Oh, yeah. And yeah. so you're no, in the water, you've gone, I'm not going back for that exam. Mm-hmm. Did you have a moment of like, well, what the fuck am I going to do? Uh, no, nah, not really. But I was pretty dismissive that, that I knew. But that's what you did back then. Like you're, if you got the marks to get in to that degree, you did it. Um, regardless like and it a completely full sliding doors moment because it's completely changed where I've ended up um, completely changed my bank balance as well <laughs> my, my net assets at the same time but I, I, I can guarantee now I, I am far happier now than I would have been if I had done that well it's a little fuck you initially to the system that you seem to be a little bit there was a bit of that in there too because I always um, been a touch liked to a bit anti-establishment as well. I think it's quite healthy. Think, yeah, like my my dad had that, and we and I think kind of I had a bit of that, and and then I liked yeah, and I just didn't want to be a doctor. Like yeah. I didn't know what was going to take its place, but I was ready to you know just have some fun. But you're obviously you knew you were quite academically smart. I knew I could do probably most if I, yeah. if I got into medicine. Yeah. I could probably yeah. do yeah. you know yeah. get into most anything else. So I wasn't worried about that. You know, I figured something had come along, um, and the business degree I wasn't really inter- that interested in anyway. So you did but it, but just it was a good party. I did, but it was just for the uni party. Yeah, like we yeah, we just went mad for a few years. And was that in Newcastle? That was in Newcastle. Yeah, yeah. The Steel City. The Steel City. It's a good town. Like what? What years are that? It would have been pretty rough. Yeah, it was still pretty rough. It was all um, a lot of the crew. My brother, when he moved down, he they were up the East End, and that was at that stage. It's all it's all pretty gentrified now. The East End of Newey. But back then it was all smackies, the whole joint. It was it was rough as guts, and and big parts of Newey were rough as guts. 
So, do you um did you ever know a guy from Newcastle called Paul Rooney? Paul Rooney. Roon. His old man was an actor. It was quite well known back in the day, like our, our parents' generation. Mm. And then he was this charger. I met him in Margs in 95. Okay, yeah. He was from Newcastle, though. I knew that. And I've never seen or heard of this dude again. He yeah, was right. like, hell, man. Yeah. No, it, does, it doesn't ring a bell. But there was... But, uh, mate, they were good for a surfer. It's still one of the best places in the world to live, you know. You, well, get, you get the benefit. It's it's like it's still like a big country town. Terry Walls place. moved up there. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, I think yeah. he's a, a lecturer. At- he's a, a professor of chemical engineering yeah or something? i think that's right yeah 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 at yeah. the newcastle university newcastle university yeah 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 no i met um i did a fair bit of time with terry when we were putting together peter troy's journals yeah so he because of course terry was part of that that whole early era here yeah and so that's that there's a name peter troy yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> he, yeah. he did like all down through south america all the way mm. down, didn't he? Before anyone was doing anything like that, is that? Yeah, he did. He he's he did two big trips. <clears throat> One was sixty three to sixty six, which was yeah, mate, was Europe. Where did he end up? It was Europe, um, South America, Hawaii, North America, <clears throat> Africa. Did Africa on that one as well? It's pretty rad. Yeah, <laughs> so that was rad. Ama- like an amazing. Um, privilege to get to put that to work on that book but but to see because he kept he wrote letters home that's how all this got we pieced it all together yeah right i think i I saw a a caption of that Mm. something i don't know why it's in my mind but yeah it's amazing but 63 like that was it wasn't common like it was common to travel because i think that was the very start when those because australia was a really a backwater culturally at that point and they and guys like Troy were just going, mate, get me out of here. It's like a way bigger world. Let's go and check it out. And and but the no one had really done it on the back of kind of surfing, and certainly no one had done it on the to the extent um, that he would do it. And did he do it with his then wife or girlfriend? Or no, he did. No. First one he did on his own. Yeah, it was he was just off on his own. Um, but then he'd also planned a rendezvous with a whole heap of surfing he had had a bit of a surfing network because they're all this great kind of diaspora of of aussie surfers were heading out already into the world and and linking up in different places and and like he got to one one example he got to london and hooked up with a guy called rennie ellis who in time would become this famous photographer um but was also a surfer and he'd met him down here and that was, and then they ended up driving through, um, through Portugal and Spain, and then they sailed. They got on a boat, it was like this tiny little boat, and sailed it um, from, and it went out of Gibraltar and ended up across. Then to the ended up in the Virgin Islands. So it, it yeah, and it was just this in just the this, 60s. In the 60s, yeah, just this rad adventure. <laughs> different world. Yeah, very different world to now. Yeah. Um, he was known as Boy Troy, is that right? His parents had the milk bar here, I think, and he was like the the youngest, like hot rat. He was yeah. the first. Yeah, he was always he came out of the clubbies yeah. here, and that was his that was his claim to fame originally. He was this amazing board paddler, and because he got, I th- he got in when the '56 Olympics 
had the demonstration carnival here. He was he was only I don't know what he was seventeen, fifteen, something like that. But he was part of that. Um, and so he and then he got and then of course they bought the the American team had the the Malus and he checked that out and that the light bulb went off and and then all of those crews you know started flag the the, the surf club and yeah and there's, it's chick yeah see years later um, that's essentially we're, the we're start the of the, the counterculture kind of yeah in a way yeah you look at it that was and that was that point in time too you know one of the one of the really funny things was when as soon as he he got a steamship over to England was the first place he ended up um, and he and he worked. <coughs> He worked on on Jersey Island as a surf guide for the, and then sixty three. This is sixty three. Yeah, sixty three. He goes, oh yeah, and because he, he keeps these letters, and he goes, oh yeah, now that and it was a bit of a party joint. This place, there's people coming and going through it. He goes, oh yeah, checked out this band um, played in town tonight called the Beatles. <laughs> and it was like, <laughs> and no one knew who the fuck the Beatles were at that point. You know, they hadn't even really broken, so. And that and, he, and his whole story is like that. It's all these. He ends up in all these. It's like a Forrest Gump it's, kind of deal. He ends up in all these points in time, and um, it, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. So you wrote his book? No, we published it. We, okay. ran, we, we ran a little publishing um, company out of my garage here for a few years. Yeah. And we published. Um, yeah, we published that. that. This was after his death. So yeah, we got his his widow Libby gave said, look, here's all the letters. You know, let's do something. Um, what a so cool it's, it's actually she's just reprinted it as well. Yeah. So it's actually uh, it was out of print for a long time, but it's if you want a copy, it's still around. Oh yeah, I'd love one. Mm. Um, all right, let's go back. You've just finished your your uh, business degree. Yes, I didn't leave. I like, uni life was too good. Newcastle life was too good. It's like you know we we kind of just party by by night, surf by day. But then I worked. This is the bit where I was telling you we worked in live sound because we ran. Oh, the, okay, yeah. We ran the student union, which is like the the venue on campus. So did you have your own radio station? No, I didn't do didn't do any of that. We ran actually ran a live venue for oh. bands. Oh yeah, right, and this yeah. is and this is like in the middle of like the early to mid nineties when indie music in Australia was huge, um, and that venue was was like the second biggest venue in Newcastle. Um, and the big venue had the mainstream acts, but this this venue had had all the big indie acts. Greenspoon, so probably a dozen times. Yeah, right. Like it's, it's like Silverchair started <laughs> yeah. Silverchair, but like we had Tool. Oh, shut up! Yeah, that we had. Like, all, I'm just gonna stop and tell you that that's the best live gig I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, I saw we had them in the paddocks out here. We had a rad because we okay we had on campus there were two venues. One was a big functions hall thing that fitted 5,000 people. And there was another one, which was the, the week-to-week bar, which fitted 1,500. And we booked tour. We couldn't get we couldn't get the big one. So we had to put them into this 1,500. And it was this weird room. And and they got there and blew up because they just looked at this thing. This room's a piece of shit. Um, oh, they weren't happy. They, were, they weren't happy because it was like, mate, they're the biggest fucking heavy band in the world at yeah, this point. You know, they're yeah. playing just like these gigantic Was it Enema shows. just dropped? Yeah, it was yeah. on the other side of that. It was, and so they're huge. And so it was, they were actually kind of pretty difficult. Um, but show went on, fucking amazing. But we had, and it was the middle of- Would have like, been epic as a, to seek in a smaller venue. Oh though. yeah, because we, we, and we did the production on it as well. So we're there, like we're, 
and it was just but we, it was a big punk venue and like we were big we were mad punks um so it was a big big punk venue so it was like no effects fucking lag wagon pennywise suicidals um, suicidal tendencies yeah um i met the drummer yeah infectious grooves uh who like it just but then all the big aussie indie stuff like I said silver chair like you had like Powderfinger at that stage. You had um, like Spiderbait. It was in that UMI. How good was Spiderbait? Yeah. It was, it was right in that era where all those bands were huge. So and- 90s is such a good era of music. Oh, I mean, totally. they're all pretty good. Yeah. Like especially the, I think, I don't know, being a bit older, as probably you would agree that there's more, it seemed to be more depth in the music back then. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. Well, we're, Gen, we're Gen X, mate. We, yeah. like, we listen to the same probably 200 <laughs> songs every day. <laughs> My playlist doesn't change ever. Oh, it's messed fuck. up. I woke up this morning, put on Nirvana Unplugged on. I was just like, oh, God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, my my playlist is still all just basically 90s. Yeah. Uh, Fugazi was another one. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But we had like, yeah. And so that, like, you know, and we did that for like a few years. Um and it was pretty like it was great because I was in, right into music as well. We had band, we played in bands and and um, in what did you, garage you, did you bands. Your musical as well? Yeah, I played the guitar. Do you really? Yeah. Do you sing? Uh, badly. Yeah. Yeah. But we're like we were just garage punks. Yeah. You know, so that's all we do. We'd go and get stoned, drink. But I had my one of the houses. Pretty much every house we were in. Melancholm. What's that? Yeah, Melancholm played. Yep. Yeah, we had um um. No, butthole surfers, hard ons, like it just keeps going. All of that, like it was, it was the spot they played in Newcastle. But we had, um, wherever I lived, we had a band room, and, and Newcastle was a big music town as well. You know, obviously, yeah, you know, yeah. Silverchair coming out, but like then Screaming Jets came out, but it was just fucking music happening everywhere, and it was, it was a really big part of that town. Um, and it was cool. It was like, and it was fun. It was so like, during this period, did you sort of envisage that? Um you'd have a life into the music world because it's no. funny you've had a really seemingly diverse career yeah 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 it hadn't branched off at that stage and i hadn't even thought about where it had branched off to um but it was just like i said mate it was just going with it yeah. it was so much fun yeah. and it was and it was cool and it's probably yeah you could make a career out of it if you wanted but it was it's pretty hard life you're up up late at night and you're partying hard all the time it's good when you're young um but I had no designs on following through with that. Um, I didn't know where I was going. I didn't know what else. So, and then, yeah, then I've ended up in, and I jumped from there to surf mags. So, just like that. Yeah, yeah. Probably was pretty much like that. I had. How, how did that happen? What did that look like? I had. Um, okay, the way it worked was that, because I've all, I've, since a kid, mate, religiously read every fucking surf mag there is to read. Um, and I and it's like any kid growing up on the coast, you know, you worship those things. Yeah, um, you can remember Gonad Man. <laughs> yep. Um, well, my big one was Lash Clone, at that which was in like a eighties tracks char- fictional character in there. But they were, I just love those things. Um, and it turns out one of the guys I'd gone to uni with um, was a guy called Neil Ridgway. Who, oh, yeah. Yeah, familiar familiar name around this, these parts. But he, I'd gone to uni with him and I was mates with him and his brother and he'd gone on to become the deputy editor of Tracks. And so, and I kept reading them and, and reading it one day and saw there was a job for a position at Tracks. What sort of job? It was, it was actually, it was a deputy editor's job because he was, he was going, 
he'd been the editor and was moving on. Yeah. Um, so I applied for the job thinking he'd he'd see it and pull some strings and get me in. Um, they said, oh, can you come down the next? We were camping at Treachery. They said, you come down the next day. Went down, did the did the um, thing, did the interview. Didn't see Neil. Um, he was he, oh. he he was in the building, but he, they put him onto another mag. Yeah. And got a phone call at Arvo saying, oh, you, the good news is you got the job. The bad news is you start tomorrow because the, the new editor's going to Hawaii for a month. And so I had to just, and I was still living in Newey, so I had to, at that stage, just jump in the car and drove to Sydney the next day. And that was it. I started working at Tracks. Bang. Yeah, straight in. Full tilt. No fucking idea what I was doing. Um, Did they give you accommodation and shit? No, nah, I was commuting at that stage. Oh, really? Yep. But we were... Um, so, yeah, hold on. You're a deputy editor? Yeah, what was, was it? second in charge, yeah. And... Never worked in print or or journalism or anything in my life. <laughs> but I could write. So, I had that. Did, they, did you have to show that? Or did they yeah, know yeah, they that? T- they, yeah, they had to... They got me to write. And they... It was funny because they got me as part of the exam. They said, oh, right, can you write up these news stories? So I wrote, I wrote them up and gave them to them. And then this, then they called me back later and said, you got the job. But then when I came in to start, they'd already laid those stories up in the mag <laughs> for that issue to save themselves having to do the work. <laughs> cheeky. So it was very cheeky. Um, so being that position, do you does that mean that you've got other journalists who are writing and then you're proofreading and, yeah, and ticking off. Yeah, or? you kind of sit in the middle. It, it really was an editing job. Um, I had to write it in time, like pretty much. Be, I'd be writing a lot of the mag pretty soon, but at that point, it was it was getting everyone else's shit into some kind of shape where it could fit into the mag. And so, and sorry to cut you off, but is that like in when we were in still in the nineties? This was ninety seven. So are you yep. doing this in a computer, or are you still? Yeah, or is this oh, yeah, like, yeah. It was just. It was it just gone to computers, yeah. So I like started on this classic Mac, which it looks like a microwave oven. Like it the was, deep yeah, thing, it yeah. Was weird with but big computer, tiny fucking screen like this, and it was floppy disks, and it was three and a half inch floppies. Yeah, yeah. And it was, and the, like the word the word thing was one thing, but the photo like then the photo thing was completely because it was all still on transparencies. So it was, and you had to. Um, you know, you, you had to get the transparencies, get them scanned, work with them. And that was only just when you had those desktop publishing programs like Quark and they were just coming in. And so the designers would work with these things and um, it was pretty fucking rudimentary. Yeah, you're in the yeah. Wild West. It was fully, yep, it was fully... It had only just crossed over from a lot of it being manual and hands-on and having to, yeah. to work with bromides and stuff like that. Um, well, you're pretty lucky to be right at the forefront of that transition. Oh yeah, way it was. It could have been a lot worse. A year earlier, it would have been. It's way more labour intensive, um, and it just like you know we just laugh at it now. But you would how have easy it is. Picked up a skill set. It seems like at a point in time that would have serviced you through for quite a while. Oh yeah, yeah. They edit like the, all that, all those skills. You know, editing, being able to look, find a good photo. You know, know how to write headlines. How, to, how things work in together. and But it's essentially a people job too, you know. It's like you've got to call these the contributors, crack the whips on them, go, where's your shit? Come on, what are you writing? If they put something in that's garbage, you've got to get them to redo it or you've got to, you know. So it's essentially you're kind of sitting in the middle of it to try and make sure all these bits. 
so come together. It seems like a dream job. Um, is it like you put a couple of surfers onto a boat and you might go with them and write about that experience? Hundred oh, percent. Yeah. There's no sense sending a no sense sending a boat trip for the mag if you're not going to go yourself. It's, oh my god. Yeah. Totally. That was uh, that was the whole point of it. So early, yeah. So you went to the Mints probably pretty early. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Pretty much straight away. There wouldn't have been too many people there around that time. Still pretty quiet. Yeah. yeah. It was like it's obviously not the shit show it is now. Um, but yeah, I think the first first boat trip I did up there, like could you like quite Mick, believe that Mick you and, well Mick and Parker were up, but no one knew they were like fourteen. Yeah. Right. You know, yeah. on this trip. Um, who else was on this? They packed us in. It was like, mate, it was like a refugee. But there were so many of us on it because the photographer organized it all. And because and the surf industry is booming at this point as yeah. well. So, yeah. there's, mate, there's pro surfers everywhere. There's, you know, there's a bit of money to be made. Um, so we ended up, yeah, the boat trip was, you know, Mick and Joel and Dingo were on it. Yeah. Uh, three of them, those three rats. And they were only 14, 15. They were pretty young. Um and you else? would have been pretty young still. Yeah, I was, pro- I was probably mid twenties. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, well, it's like uh, Dylan Longbottom, Kieran Perro, um, Damon Harvey. But I think there was like ten of us all up. So good waves. Good waves. Yeah, all yeah. right. Waves pumped. And did um, did those guys when they were that young have to have minders? Oh no, this no. was this was a surf industry. Yeah, so just <laughs> <laughs> it's a free for all. Mate, they were better. I tell you, they were better supervised on that trip. Then they were at home in Cool and Gatta. Yeah, right. Okay, <laughs> mate. They ran free in Cool and Gatta. Yeah. So it was uh, at least on the boat they can't go anywhere. <laughs> yeah, I hope not. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Any like close calls going on on that track? In terms of dodgy boat trips. And, yeah, I don't know. Um, just like loose shit going down. Oh, loose shit all the time. Um, like it was a really different era. Like you'd never get away with any of that stuff these days it's so it's so much you know so much more scrutiny about all the you know but it was basically mate it was just like a boys trip yeah so it's nothing nothing sinister yeah yeah no but totally. it's just yep. loose yeah you know yeah. just fucking yeah. loose yeah. yeah people doing loose stuff and you're on you know you're drinking most nights and and you can kind of see it yeah and you see you look at joel and mick now and and you know they're kind of responsible adults. <laughs> they, were, they were. It comes out occasionally, you know. But they're still rats. Yeah. You know. But, Once a rat, always a rat. Yeah, totally. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny. So you're at tracks, um, and how long did you do that for? Uh, I was there ten years, eleven years, all up. And so you said like um, Neil got shifted. Yep. Into another mag. Does this mean that there's an umbrella and Yeah. We just been take the the week before I got in there, um, the whole company had been bought by an English public publishing company called EMAP. And that's where Neil had gone because they had this mag called FHM oh, yeah. which is dead now. Um, but he was the launch editor of that. So that's where they'd shuffled him off to. It was pretty big there for a bit, FHM. It was huge. Yeah. Right. It was and like that whole because it was all the lads mag. Yeah, yeah. It was before um, internet porn. So those things were like, <laughs> those those things were like the big deals. You know, those mags. Yeah, um, it was like a coffee table. Yeah, coffee table penthouse. soft porn book. Yeah. You know, and they were huge. So, um, but yeah, yeah. So Neil shuffled off to that and I got, yeah, I got a gig at tracks. So. And so, and then 
when you say 10, 11 years, is that umbrella with Surfer Mag as well? Or is that a different chapter? No, they kind of overlap. So I finished with tracks and then I worked, essentially just started working with Surfing World. Um, basically almost the... Surfing World, sorry, Surfing World is not Surfer Mag. No, and then Surf, but Surfer, because Surfer Mag's in America. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's I can, the biggest publication in the worked, world, isn't it? And I've worked for those guys for probably 15, um, probably longer, probably yeah, probably nudging 20. So I was working with them while I was working at Tracks because I can just contribute. Yeah. Um, and then I still, yeah, I've, yeah, I've literally two hours ago just sent them more words. Oh, you're still working for them? Yeah, yeah. That's what I did at the Pipe Masters report this morning. Even so, back in the 90s, my uh, mate Q was always like, oh, Surfer's the one. He was like right under that American mag. Yeah. He was like, well, it's all, um, it's a bit of a different landscape over there now because surfing's gone, you know, Transworld Surf's gone. Um, and, you know, Surfer's probably the last great survivor. Is it because, what's their, um, is it Surfline? Surfline is the big online, yep, site. It's just, yeah, well, it's just like everything, you know, it's all everything's migrated onto a digital platform um prince hanging in there in certain forms <laughs> prince not dead no yeah but it's a weird is has has have you felt the effect of the when 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 was the online does well there's kind of two they had a big run because a lot of people lost a lot of money in that well the the bubble yeah, yeah two, that was 2000 2001 um when it all blew up and that's it that's when everyone just thought it was like the mags were going to be dead next week and an online would just take over but it all it just collapsed that whole investment and that whole bubble and and everyone just went back to mags pretty much till it was kind of like the end of last decade the end of the noughties where it's just because you couldn't get you couldn't get decent um signal like everyone's on fucking dial up yeah. so it's like yeah. you can't you, you can't run a surf cam on dial up you can't you know yeah like you can just send an email on dial up yeah it wasn't until you kind of got adsl and and broadband became a bit more pervasive that um that everyone that that kind of all developed and became kind of what it is now so so you said that you've this is the first december in how many years that you haven't been at pipe 13 13 yeah. years yep and then before that it was i think my last break was seven years without a break so how's so, it going you feel a little you know like it's weird yeah i'm gonna to go to my first december christmas party tomorrow night here in torquay <laughs> for the first i haven't had a christmas party i reckon in all that time um look out although like being on the north shore was a party pretty much every night but being at home for a christmas party um so it is strange and it's actually nice to be back down here because we've just come off like two weeks of good surf yeah yeah you know, know. which is just well? phenomenal because that's that would have been the worst thing if it had surf had been shit here, and it's been a really good North Shore winter, and that would have that would have aided me a little bit if I hadn't got waves here last week. You know, I spent seven years in the states and I never made it to the North Shore. Mm. And do you love it? Is it just yeah? Every, you got to do it, sort of. Oh thing? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's so I think I've been to Hawaii thirty something times because you go a couple of times a year. What's your favorite wave? Over there, yeah. Mm, I think for the, I think sunset. Yeah, everyone seems to say that. Well, it's the one wave where you can. I, I the early years when I started going, we'd stay at sunset a lot, and you surf where you stay pretty much. Yeah. And and so all those really early years where I went, um, we surfed a lot of sunset, and and it's one of those waves you never really learn it, you know, you find out new things about it, and it's 
that connects um, to that you know to that kind of unknowable quality that surf that surfers are attracted to. Yeah, yeah. You know, you never master it, and and pipes like pipes a shit show. Pipes are too too brutal and just too many guys, um, which means you yeah, you know, and it end, just ends up being too dangerous. Mm. But there's a million waves there, mate. You can just yeah, you know, like it's just literally a giant stretch of beach. So it's not it's broken up in a, a few certain spots, but the main stretch that you hear about is just is one stretch of sand, and you just go well that's pipeline there. It's like you know beach park there, it's poops there, rockies. It's just so it's all these places you've heard about, but they just look like a normal beach until you until it's ten foot, then it doesn't look like anything you've ever seen. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have some uh, close calls? Ah uh, yeah, I mean not yeah. Well, if you, if you're going to surf properly over there, you get knocked around. Um, a few, yeah, at sunset in particular, just... So what is that hold downs? You hit, it's too deep to hit the bottom? Or? No, you can hit the bottom yeah. on the, right on the inside and you can hit it up the reef, um, up, you know, when it's up at boneyards and when you can kind of get washed in, but essentially they're just big deep water hold downs. So, um, and it's, and then the last, probably the last 10 years I've been staying down at off the wall and that's different, that's reef. That's you getting bounced mm. quite a bit, mm. and it's really uneven off the wall. You know, you look at photos of it and go, "That's so perfect," but it's fuck. It's a closeout most of the time. Can I ask um, you uh, what's going to seem like mm. a? What's the difference between off the wall and backdoor? Yeah, they're about about forty yards. That's about it. So, so pipe and backdoor is the, the one peak, and then off the wall is yeah, it's really about forty yards, just to um to the west so is it a westerly swinging peak that doesn't hit back door that hits off the wall that makes it off the wall like i don't understand well it's funny it's funny how directional um all of those breaks are yeah because you've got another break out there rock piles and they don't because you, you predominantly you're either north or west the, the swell it's coming from more one way or more the other and it can be um depending on it can be 15 foot a hundred yards down the beach at rock piles and flat out front, or it can be ten foot out front and flat at rock piles. And it's just down there. Yeah, just on on swell direction. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> and it takes like it takes a long time for those guys, and that's why it's such as a surfer, it's such an interesting joint because and they, and the crew who live there are just mate, they just live by that stuff. Yeah, they're so yeah. tuned to what everything is doing at any given point in time. So that's when they're saying, I don't know what it is, it's a something swell that makes danger, pipe dangerous. It's coming from a certain angle and they're always like, ah, it's fucking... Yeah, well, West, like West Swell is the prime swell, for, but that's pipe. Yeah. So that's for the left. Um, anything with north on it comes back. Like back door is really a dangerous wave. Really, really dangerous. Um, dangerous at four foot because it basically just ends on dry reef. Whereas pipe goes into a fairly channel. defined kind of channel, yeah. Um, backdoor doesn't. Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it's like it's amazing. Like I've been lucky enough the last ten years to basically be staying in houses right there, and so and I like I've got you know fuck I don't go out any anything these days. Anything over there probably at eight foot on those reefs. Sunset I'll probably I'll surf a bit bigger. Um, but it's just, it's fucking brutal. So, um, okay, so what, what we've jumped here. Mm-hmm. Second in charge editor at 
the surfing yep. mags. Yep. And then going to pipe, is that in the same job description? Like, yeah. Or doing the same thing? Yeah. yeah. Well, traditionally, the editor goes to Hawaii awesome. every year. Yeah, right. So that's kind of the way, traditionally, that's the way tracks always worked. Yeah. And that's why when I started that job, I started at the start of December and the editor left the next day. So, and then we didn't see him till like Christmas Eve. He come back. Um, and that's and that's kind of the so it's editor's prerogative, you know. You, you and once you get in the in the chair, you get to send yourself yeah on all these trips. That's they don't pay you a lot of money, but that's the that's the upside of it is you get to you get to lob yourself into into all these amazing places and be taken care of most of the time. Yep, yeah. yep. Yeah, well, back when the mags had money, certainly. <laughs> but also, like you, but you were as well. Like there's, you ended up couch surfing a lot. Um, it's not like they, you know, they wouldn't you wouldn't have your own room most of the time. You're bunking in. There's dudes everywhere. You know, the houses have got like between twelve and twenty people in each one, so you're kind of improvising and yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you, you are, you know, it, it is a, it is just like a feral surf trip, but that's what you're there to do, yeah. you know, and and for a mag to put, con like to to do stories, it's like the best place in the world because everyone's there. Yeah, and there's heaps of drama, I imagine, and there's heaps of shit going on. Yeah. Um, you know, there's always something happening in the water. There's always something happening on, on in the car parks. There's like, and but all the everyone's there too, like the older guys, the younger guys, the crew from America. Do you have to um, watch yourself? Yeah, oh, 100%. It's yeah. a fucking scary place. Yeah, I hear that. Yeah. Particularly if you've got to write about it. Um, if you what? Got to write about it. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. If you're, you're writing about sensitive. local crew and yeah. like it's, um, you kind of really do need to, but it's just, and, and it is kind of fairly volatile anyway, the whole environment, because those guys, like you think for the Hawaiian crew, they've got, it's there, it's the, the nine months it doesn't break. And then for three months it pumps, but the every, whole world's there. Every fucker's there, you know. It's like you know, it just drive you nuts, and you can understand why they, they kind of why they lose their shit. And it, but you and you kind of got to understand that and just keep your head down and um, and that's you know and you see that like pipe is where it kind of manifests mostly, but um, but there is you know it does kind of end up with a bit of a dangerous vibe on the beach occasionally as well. Tempers kind of yeah. Yeah, yeah. Flare a little bit. Yeah, do you know the the back end of the Bruce movie? You, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know that la that uh, that last little edit clip. What yep. is it with the um, that song? It's a really good song, but there's heaps. You sort of get that vibe. There's a lot of like, you know. And that was that. There was a, well that area with with Bruce and Andy when they were when they were killing it, and like Andy was world champ, and Bruce was like probably the mo even more famous than Andy, and that was. Like all those, those Hawaiian guys were like really, you know, fine. One of our boys is up, um, you know, you Howley guys fucking step in a line. And it was it was, all, it was those it was the Wolfpack kind of days, so and you did have to be kind of careful. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, as you said, it is their zone, and everyone else is sort of visitors for a bit. And yeah, like like you said, once you're there, you understand completely how they feel about it. Um, and and for the most part, it's it's pretty eat, mate. Respect's pretty universal. Oh, I think you so. Know, yeah. Like, you know what passes for good respect it out here is the same over there. If you you play play it straight, um, 
you know, you can avoid trouble pretty easily. Yeah, I, I totally believe that. You know, all the surf trips I've ever been on, you know, you just mind yourself and give it, a bit of respect. and It's universal, mate. And it's like... You get hooted into a couple. Yeah, there's a whole <laughs> bunch of, like, you know, and it's all just the little things too, you know. It's, um, you know, it's kind of like a little bit of eye contact, you know, just not... It's not been too aggressive. It's all the stuff. It's fucking, you know, you yeah. know what it is. <laughs> but you just, you just got to be doubly careful over there. That's yeah, all. Man, totally. and, then, and you, and you got to know where not to surf. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I'd be paddling out at pipe. To, <laughs> um, so, you did you you wrote the Michael Peterson book? Yep. yep. What was the catalyst, catalyst there? I, <clears throat> I met uh, the family back in 01. Um, and did a mag story because he, he he really hadn't done anything in about 10 years because um, you know, by that stage, really, he'd been living with his mum for 20 years, completely out of the scene. Um, and this was when he's with his schizophrenia. So he just lived at home. It was like a Sid Barrett kind of deal. And and so I, <clears throat> I met the family, did a little story, and they were, and his mum, Joan, was really interested in, in getting his story out there. Um, he had no interest whatsoever, uh, but we we kind of agreed to we were going to do it, and we we did it. Took took a couple of years. Um, it was a pretty wild two years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, about two years. That's yep. pretty. That seems not too bad. Yeah. Well, it's like yeah, and I did the first one, and then I realised I'd missed so much stuff that <laughs> I did another one. <laughs> I did another one ten years later of all the missing bits. On 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 MP. On MP. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. A redux. Yep, it was all because what I found when I did the first one, I spoke to all the obvious people, which were all the people involved around competitive surfing, and and who competed against him, and 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 all that Gold Coast click, you know. But but the thing was, he wasn't really like obviously a lot of them are his mates, but his in time his real mates were. The crew who also shared his his love of exotic substances and and also and they were off the grid, you know. The yeah. last thing that last thing they wanted was publicity and fucking and they were they were super underground, and I didn't know half those who half those crew even were until almost until he died. <clears throat> I remember going to his funeral and and looking around the room. He's going, man, I don't know half these cats here. Who who are they? But looking at him, going, they're all pretty rough. I'll guarantee you they've at some point they've all hung out and and then it changed because and all of those guys are really respectful of him not wanting to tell his story too because mm-hmm. he really super private. Is that Didn't, because of his illness? A little or bit. Yeah. He was he both sides that way because no, he was he was probably quiet anyway. Yeah. Um, in that he was really. Um, <clears throat> You wouldn't say introverted, but he was like he's in his own world for a lot of it, and the the surfing was an outlet for him. Um, but he just didn't didn't enjoy and couldn't cope with all the bullshit that happens happened around him by being so good. Isn't you know, and the better he got, the more of that shit happened, and the worse it got. So, and it ended up, you know, and that that in the end, it drove he drove away from it all. Um, and live quietly, but but, but did, and was he aware of his illness through that whole thing, or did like people just think he was like on and off? Or? Oh, I think at the time, no. Yeah. Um, 
that well the thing is you didn't really have accurate diagnoses on schizophrenia back then in the 70s well, you know fuck, it's only been recent that you know like st- yeah anyway keep going yeah well it only really <laughs> it only got to he only got proper medical help after the car chase incident which was 1983 which was a long time after well, sorry I, I haven't read the book okay yeah okay. <laughs> car chase okay incident. he had we well, had this famous car chase yeah. where he he was driving up to he'd almost stopped surfing at this point this was 83 like the illness had really taken over by this point <clears throat> and i and i had good conversations with he, he actually does have really lucid memories of all this happening um, he was on the side of the road, pulled over. He was driving to Noosa to get for a, a windsurfing carnival, and the cars freaked a cop car freaked him out going past, and he just hit the gas the other way. Yeah, and the cop and he just he just took off, and then soon they were, and he would and then other cop cars got in behind him, and they were all after him, and they ended up they had to close the like store. a Blues Brothers thing. Yeah, totally. Yep, but he made he could he was a demon driver, he <clears throat> he was really bad in cars. He just he burned through them. Um, so he got to, but he got to Brisbane. This was from the Gold Coast to Brisbane, and he got to Brisbane. They had to close the Story Bridge, and they had to like roadblock to pull him up. And then it pulled him up, and he 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 was thought he was being chased by aliens. Oh no! So, and it wasn't until all of that went to the court, <clears throat> and he ended up in he ended up in jail first, and his mum had to lobby to get him out. But that was the only that was the point where he finally got diagnosed yeah. and, and actually got some some professional help so it's through the diagnosis did they let him off uh eventually they got it where he went out he was in bogo road which was the, the hard jail in brisbane so he was there for for a while and then um, bogo road bogo road yeah and he was there when the there was a famous bogo road riot and he was there when that was on um he had a few stories about that uh, but then they yeah did, they, pe- did people die in that right nah they just ah oh, oh, maybe it was a, it was a big one. That was a very really famous one. Um, that didn't incite the longest lockdown. Do you know that uh, Nick Cave movie that he wrote, like um, Knights of the Civil Ghost Dead? Ghost of the Civil Ghost Dead. Ghost of the Civil Dead. That, that was frightening. That movie. It fucking scared no. the shit out of me. Um, but this was, yeah. So this is eighty three, and he was he was there for that. But then they transferred him into like a mental health, one mental health place. He was in Wool. I oh, know where was it? Far out. I forget now. But yeah, but he'd got like he had shock therapy as well as part of that. So, and and really that was the start. That's where he disappeared. You know, um, like he eventually got out of all of that, and and then just went back to his mum's and, and kind of lived quietly there for you know pretty much the rest of his life. What an interesting dude. That must have been um, quite a a cool place to put your head into. Oh yeah, totally. I had no idea what what schizophrenia really was i don't think anyone at that point you know schizophrenia you think it's it's just like a clicky thing where you but it's um it's a yeah it's like a strange disease where your brain just plays tricks on you all the Mm. time and all your senses play tricks on you Mm. um and and shit that isn't there and isn't happening is actually happening yeah someone pretty close to me uh, had it a while ago and she thought that we all hated it Mm, and it yeah. couldn't have been further from the, yep. you know, like... Yep. And again, it's just their brain playing tricks on them. It's not the reality. But it's unless the people around them understand that, it's like really, it's really hard for people to, to deal with. 
because you go, this guy's just, this guy's crazy, you know. He's thinking shit that's not, that doesn't exist. So, and that, and that was that time, you know, because no one understood it. So, um, so when you embarked on that journey, had you left the magazine world and become a, are you a freelance journalist at the moment? Like, what is that? Uh, How does that look? Yeah, that probably. Point? Well, yeah, I suppose so. <clears throat> I suppose that's what I'd classify myself as now. Um, although I work at Surfing World, essentially, um, most of the time. Um, but no, no, I did the book while I was at the mag. So I was doing double double duty. So all those books I've done while I still work at the mag. Yeah. Yeah. And so, okay, let's go bring it up to... Um, did you leave those? Did you left the mag to go and embark on a different? Angle? I left. I left tracks after ten years, um, and that's when I moved here. Yeah. Um, first time, so I was just kind of sick of the city more than anything, um, and had two young kids. So that's when we moved here. Yeah. And that's kind of I started working freelance with Surfing World then. Okay. Um, and went on the books there, and then started doing <clears throat> yeah a whole bunch of other stuff. Still, still writing other books. Um, what was it? Then I was doing a lot of tour commentary around that that time. As really? Well. Yeah. I used to do all that because it it worked differently back in the old ASP days because the ASP didn't employ the commentators; the brands did. Ah, uh, yeah, so, right. Yeah. So, because the brands run all the events, yeah. the brands were huge. Whoever was sponsoring that event, yeah. So, yeah. so Billabong would con- would get get you to Tahiti and yeah. And quick and quick, so I would get you to do Snapper and France, and um, so I had a bunch of years doing a lot of those. So now with the WS WSL WSL, yep, they have the entire thing on lockdown. Yep, has Quicksilver just given up the Quickie? Yeah, uh, is it still going to be the Quickie? I think no. I'm pretty sure they're there for next year. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm pretty sure they're there for the next. But all the setups have changed. Um, so, like the WSL obviously runs the tours now, and they're, and they're really they're very different to to how it used to be when the brands essentially ran the tours. And so, so. what's your take on it? Do you think that like maybe I don't know, I don't know. Like it seems weird because it's always shifting this thing, and I can never keep my like I'm like, yeah. what's going on now? Who's what? Well, it's pro surfing, you know. It's um, it's oh, I like the. The mechanism. I'm glad someone's doing it because if these guys weren't doing it, no one would. The brands wouldn't pick the sport back up again, so it wouldn't exist. And you who know, runs Bell, the Bell, WSL? It's owned. Well, it's owned by a billionaire out of America. Uh, is he like an like uh, what do you call it? Like um, is he silent? Oh, uh, yeah. Oh yeah, totally. No one's ever interviewed him. Right. He's, he's actually he's given a couple of speeches to surf crowds. Um, but he's famously private, never given an interview on the subject. Um, so he's just kind of, he sits in the shadows. Cool. And just pays the bills. Yeah, right. Yeah. Is he obviously, is he a surfer? No. Nah, but what he's, the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> it's bizarre. No, nah, he's not. He's, his wife is though. That's the oh, whole okay. genesis of how it came about. Well, she wasn't, but she picked up surfing along the way and then just fell in love with it. And... And you know, what do you get? The woman who's got everything. This <laughs> you get yeah, it by, by you know, pro, pro surfing. Here you go. So, but it, but it was kind of driven by her, by his wife, and that's why um, a lot of the changes the WSL have made have all been to the advantage of the women. Yeah. it's like 
you know parity it's, it's the first sport to go equal yeah, is that right 100 and that, which is amazing well, yeah and that and that's the reason it's because it's um was largely driven by natasha's if and not and D- dirk pays the bills but he's kind of and runs the business although he's you know he's a he's a multi-billionaire so he's doing other shit like i, I yeah, don't think, I don't think he spent puppy. a lot of time in the office in santa monica but but it's like it's almost like a a bit of a an outlet a bit of a play thing you know um with a with a kind of business model attached to it which no one can work out what it is wow man i didn't expect to hear that that was cool yeah <laughs> so yeah welcome to your new owners of pro surfing wow um <clears throat> okay so i've got a gripe mm-hmm. with this boardwalk at winky oh yeah yeah <laughs> and is it derek yep and is it WSL that wants it there? Ah, uh, well, we're trying to get to the bottom of it. Because, um, you know, you know, I live with Morris. Do you? Yeah. So we have this, well, when we say we have this conversation, Morris has this conversation with me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's trying to get to the bottom of it <clears throat> to work out where it come, where it's come from. But, and no one, I think this WSL and, and all the crew are saying, well, it's, we didn't, we didn't ask for it. We didn't really want it. Um, but the council was still trying to pass it, through, it off. Pass it through, yeah. So um, it's been shut down. I'd be very surprised if it ever happened. Okay, I can breathe so, a little. Yeah, it won't. I, it's just yeah, it's crazy. It's a perfectly good concrete path. It's crazy because it, of, of the change in amenity and the look of it. That like that's crazy. But it's just crazy from a fucking waste of money point of view. Ah, oh, it's hundred and twenty just... grand to. It's a perfectly good concrete path. Perfectly good. But I love shit that's old. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like a bit rugged. And it, does, it, it doesn't need replacing. There's no. absolutely no Chinese tourist going to trip and sue anyone. It's like it's in perfect nick. So now we're here, let's talk about what you're up to at the moment. Mm-hmm. Now, you're. I know that you are behind the scenes driving a lot of the fight for the bite stuff yep and which is a fantastic cause and um when like i've been looking at your instagram and i didn't i I, you really are really articulate and and you do your homework obviously i'm always impressed by the um, blurbs and spiels that you give uh on slamming the politicians i couldn't believe anyone was that interested in because i i'd get like i'd just go on these rants i'd find out something that would just just tweak my mind just like it would bend my brain with how corrupt and bent it was and then i just go on a rant and then it was like it was like 500 words and it's instagram it's like photos no one reads the words yeah and then i'd send it off and then but i think there's just a lot of people that feel like i do so well the con- i mean this conversation i'm having all the time mm. and like with i feel like you know even you know, I talked to my mum about it and she said to me the other day, she goes, geez, and this is the first time she's ever said this. Mm. She goes, you know, I think you might be really smart by not having kids. I said, you know, she's been harping on yeah. about wanting grandchildren forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's at a point and like uh, this is across the board, so many people are starting to realise that fucking we're driving this ship into the ground. Yeah. And what are we leaving our kids? And I think that's where that was stemming from. And where are you at with this? Yeah, and it's driving all of it. It's like, it's crazy what's going on here right now. 
but w- like I'm aware, mm. and I think we, this is why we're having this convo. It's not why we're having this convo, but, but it's part of it. And what the fuck can we do when we have a government and that does not seem to give a shit? Yeah. And so you sort of like, I feel like we're at this place, but like, unless you're going to get Ned Kelly on this shit. (laughs) (laughs) There's a couple of people threatening to do it. Don't worry. (laughs) It's, it's crazy. Yeah, it is. It's It is. It's really the system. It's just, and it's the system now has just circled the wagons around itself. And for its own survival. So can you say and, that again? Because I don't know what you mean by oh, that. It's, well, it's circle the wagons around to protect itself. Is that so like a this, Ned Kelly thing as well? Well, kind of, yeah. <laughs> well, they just they just run a protection racket on their own... Self-interest. Know, their, own way of, yeah, their own way of doing things. And it's just the old way. Um, and the vested, the vested interests essentially run the country through the, through the politicians. And, that's, and that nexus of, you know, of... Of lobbyists and and money and and it all and the most of it comes out of the fossil fuel industry because they need to perpetuate it. You know, it's the same thing that happened with smoking, when when all the questions were being asked, well, why why the fuck are all these people dying of lung cancer? Well, we'll get a doctor then, here to tell you that it's good for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll pay this guy to actually say that it's you know it's not smoking. It's you know, it's just a natural occurrence, and so and they can just muddy the water enough. Um, but it's a really hard thing. Like when you talk about climate change, it's a really hard thing concept to grasp because you don't see it. You know, it's 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 hard no, to quanti- the, it's hard to quantify. Yeah, because you, well, thing is, you don't you don't see it in the early stages, but what? But I think what's really flipped and what what really flipped with these fires here, I think pe- people go, well, this is it, this is what it looks like. You know, it's here. It's not you know, all that shit. All that all that all this stuff that scientists have been saying is that up to this point have just been numbers on a chart um, and the odd hot day here and there or whatever, go, well, okay, this is this is what it looks like and so this is what we've got to deal with. So there's been a really big shift in the last the last couple of months and, and if you look at the whole of this year, there's been a huge shift about the way people, it's not, it's not a theory anymore. Like there's facts but then there's a lived experience and this is the lived experience now is clearly... There's something broken, and we're we're doing it. And at the same time, then you've got the crew who just who want it to perpetuate, and you just end up in this this gigantic shit fight, which is where it's at right now. But I mean, if recycling's not even working, yeah, how's that? You know, that's crazy. And then you go, okay, well, you know, we live in a commerce-driven society. And we need to keep on, you know, the up climb mm. of population and numbers. Otherwise, the system fails. Is that what they're scared of? If, the, if we go, oh, fuck, we got to do something and the system's not going to go up like that. And all these people who are, you know, in debt to the eyeballs or whatever the fuck, it's just going to cause mm. chaos. Is that what they're scared of? I'm not. Yeah, like, yeah I'm, they're scared of the, the economy um, collapsing and their, their, that perpetual greed is you know they're, they're worried about that ending and that's that's what it is it's challenging that old system that just it's just not going to work 
It's just not going to work the way it has. I mean, if I can see it, I don't think Mm. like, I think I've got my my strong points, but definitely economics isn't one. But if I feel like I can see that that's a failed system, Mm. what the fuck? Well, it's just, and the other thing too is it's just, it's that short termism. They're just, the politicians, they're only looking towards the next election. They're only looking towards their own political survival. Um, The companies don't, the big, you know, this is where you get into the morals of, of corporate behavior and, and a lot of these companies just don't give a fuck about what what they're going to leave 50 years down the track it's all you know it's all returns to shareholders it's profits um did you know, you know the first sorry to cut you off again but the first time that i noticed this sort of behavior was about 15 years ago and i was working on the docks mm-hmm. and we're in a drought and i remember when remember there was that whole thing and like you'd put a sh- you put a bucket in the shower so you could water the fucking plants yeah, yeah. and all that sort yep. of stuff catch your water yep. and we were working on the docks and we were having to wash down all this machinery yeah yeah and it was like there was no no drought down there no, it was just taps fucking are fire hydrants washing machinery and could, like i just couldn't believe Yep. I'm at home catching buckets, <laughs> and, and you got a fire hose washing washing the cars at at work. Yeah, and the conveyor belts and everything. It was like I can't the volumes of water mm. that were just like yeah, but because it was big business, it didn't matter. Yeah, and I was like, there's a fucking problem here. There's ads on telling us to save water, and then, but this is like oh, anyway. That was the first time I sort of did my own head in. Well, mate, you just you know we've just sold off eternal access to groundwater to Adani. Well, well, what? That's that's part of the deal. Adani's got unlimited access for eighty years, eighty years, to to groundwater in Queensland, because coal's like a really water intensive industry because they've got to wash the coal, and it, so and they need water. So hold on, what's going on up there? He, he we tip, no one wanted him. They pushed it through because it was a lot of money. Well, it's not even a lot of money. I can go through the economics of it. the economics of it. It's a coal's a dying industry. This is the the dumb thing with all of this. It's. Economically, it doesn't make any sense. What the fuck then? It's like, well, it's basically what you're up against is these guys see it as like, it's almost like a religion. You know, you're fighting like an ideology with this stuff. You're not fighting common sense. And they're so dug in and they're so fervently, they believe it that that all these, these crazy projects just happen. Like, you know, this thing in in the bite. It's like these things just happen because they want them to happen because they think it's just... They, if they really study the numbers, which they, the numbers won't work anyway because all of those things are winding back. But they're all going ahead at the same time. So he has to put in a port up there on in the reef yep. to get the coal out of here. Where's yep. the coal going? Uh, it goes to India. Yeah, okay. Do yep. we see any of it? Uh, Not that no. It yeah. Okay. No, so that it'll it'll pretty much it'll it'll all go to India. We wash it. Yeah, with our yeah our water, our groundwater, which is a one essentially it's a one off resource. It's like the coal itself. You only get it once. Oh, once so there's an under, out, there's an underground. It's an aquifer. Yeah, it comes out of the. It's all that ground that over th- water over thousands of years has collected. In you know, it, gravity finds its way down and it goes into aquifers, and they they just tap it. It's like bore water, but they there's a it's a it sits over the Great Artesian Basin, so it's got access to a lot of water. And then you chuck fracking in on top of that. 
which is the other which is the other huge drain on on these aquifers. It's a really uplifting conversation. No, I know, but, but it's the fucking reality at the moment. Yeah, and it's I think reality. it's like I'm having whether it's here or or I'm just you know wherever the fuck I am. Mm. This is what people are talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, there's a real shift in consciousness. I think with people that people you know like my my age, your age, like younger crew in particular, see it because um, they they know that it, the chickens are going to come home to roost and they're coming home right now and that they will get a bit of it. The kids will, kids will wear it in the neck, you know. Um, I saw a good thing today. So that's the reason that fossil, fossil fuels have been so cheap and we've been able to, to use them like so liberally and to, is because the bill doesn't come now. The bill comes, like, the bill comes in the future and that bill's just starting to, you're just starting to have to pay that bill now. And so it's just kind of what what you leave, you leave your kids with that bill, and you leave your kids with a mess, and it, it may not be fixable. That's the that's the big danger. Scott Morrison, uh, <laughs> <laughs> where to start? Why the fuck? How does someone like that get? Like I don't understand Australian politics at all. Like. Um, honestly, I put my head in the sand mm. for a long time. Yeah, and I couldn't have because we just kept swapping prime ministers. There, what seemed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And for a while, it was a I rotating cast. I couldn't even tell you who it was. Yeah, I had such a lack of care. Uh, but now, because I'm looking at your Instagram, I know it's Scott. You know, it's Scott Morrison. <laughs> and I know, but I know also that he is telling kids to go back to school and stop worrying about shit, and that yeah. just made my blood boil. Yeah, totally. Who the kids are more switched on than he is. And he's, yeah. This is a guy. His his inner circle is essentially made up of, of either, church crew, like fundamentalist Christian crew, or the coal oh, that's lobby. That's right. Okay. Yeah. 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 They all, and that's who he surrounds himself with, and that's why you end up with decisions that just look like they've been made by a guy who's a fundal, fundamental Christian coal lobbyist, because that that's the only prism he sees the world through. He's pretty narrow-minded, <laughs> isn't he? It is fucking crazy. It is so crazy. And that's why it's become he with the way he's acting in particular. It, it's like his response to this fire. He's gone missing in action with all these fires because he knows all he he all he's going to get is is questions about it and climate change and and his reaction is to put the religious discrimination bill through what, what, at the same time. What is that? As a distraction, it's basically a, basically designed to give religious freedoms to. To, to one of the examples of it is a pharmacist can choose not to serve someone um, to like contraceptives, or so it's like, and it's the whole gay wedding cake thing. Whoa, as well. but hold on, that's so just the, so the that's ba- racist, is so it the, not? Well, the, ba- the the baker who doesn't want to make a, a cake for a gay wedding. What? So, that, so they're free to go. No, we're not going to. So they're free to, to discriminate. But that's in, that's that's encouraging racism. Yeah, mate, it's not even a fucking big deal. It's like, mate, half of Australia is on fire right now. Who cares? It's it's crazy. Oh, that, that, that's so his, horror. That's his so he's he's saying that it's okay for the baker. Sorry, I've got to get back mm, to the cake. Yeah, yeah. He's saying it's okay for the baker not to give the gay people yeah. cakes. Yep. Or it's not okay for the baker. What's that? No, he he's free to discriminate against. Oh, that's fucked. Gay people. Yeah. So, and that's... and, and, the, and that's And so you've got this party, and this is the whole... And Sydney's choking. Yeah, well, Sydney's on fire. <laughs> yep. 
New South Wales on fire, Queensland's on fire. But this is really important stuff, obviously. But it's you um, but you've got this the mob in control right now. You've got a lot of like arch conservative crew in there who think like this, and that, and they don't they don't believe in climate change. They don't they want to, and they don't believe in making decisions that have any kind of impact. <clears throat> with with a fifty year horizon in consideration, with a hundred, with a thousand years, they don't care. They don't think of that. They're just thinking of yeah. the bottom line now. Next election, fuck the rest. So in the just just going to change it real quick. In the eighties, you remember this really clearly because mm-hmm. I do, and I I got reminded of the other day mm. the ozone yeah. hole. Yep. Now that was what we're all freaking out about in the eighties. Yep. Yeah. What happened to that? Uh, it fixed itself because we stopped using CFCs. It was that? Chlorofluorocarbons, chlorofl- yeah, which were in uh, fridge coolants, whatever else they were in. They were in like spray whole, cans. Spray cans, yeah. Yep, they were, yeah, deodorant cans. They were in, we stopped using it and it repaired itself. That's, that's the other thing, mate. No one's, like they like to, these guys like to go, you know, and Scott Morrison's famous, he's going, you know, everyone's panicking. Why are you panicking? Why are you, well, it's, one, it's a human reaction to what's going on and it's a big fucking deal what's going on um well it's like the frog in the water but people get hotter yeah but but yeah but we also these these are people who aren't activists you know he's trying to paint everyone with the same brush and go well these are just radical crew who who are firing up about this and this and this and this and but they're not they're like they're they're his quiet australians and they're just not quiet anymore because they're just they're actually realizing what's what's going on and like I have, I haven't really done any frontline activism so, at all. So it's like, so but there's a lot of people like me coming to this, going, Mate, this thing just can't keep going the way it is, you know. And it's like, the, and the and the the prism that I kind of use, and which most people my age use, goes like, you know, if, if it all fucks up, what do, what do I say to my kids? You know, down the track, ten years, twenty years, did I what do I just you know just rode downhill with it and spin up big and burn up big and and yeah. didn't do anything when there was a chance I to do something. I died with the most toys. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So, and, and we're all, like, mate, we're reasonable people. We're not frontline activists. We're not fucking ideological fucking crazies. But I'm we're, thinking about doing some of the activist stuff, you know? Yeah. It's, a, a friend of mine in Barnhead, she's a lawyer, and she was telling me, this is how this is how shit's getting fucked, mm. though. Like, she was telling me the other day that a friend of her mum's went to the last rally in Melbourne. I don't know what it was, mm. but it was the first thing like that she's ever done. Yeah. That's, she's never done it before. She went along and she got arrested. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And fined something like $600. Yep. And she's like someone's mum, first time, never done anything like it. And she says she did nothing. She was crossing yeah. the road yeah, yeah. and they literally just grabbed her and went, yeah. right, fine, bang. Well, they're trying to redraft laws to... To just widen, you know, what's arrestable with any kind of, you know, civil action like that. And that's that's what you're up against. They're just trying to, to like I said, they're circling the wagons, mate. They're trying to quiet dissent because they know, they know this is coming. And like they're going to get, mate, these guys, once these kids, kids now get to voting age, these guys are going to get voted back to the Stone Age. And then he, history will look at these just guys and just go, these fucking pricks. You know? Oh, I really like this. Yeah. I never thought of it like that. That's cool. Yeah. And they, they, because the kids see it, you know? And the thing is, like you said, like it's, it's not even just the kids, though. It's like, you know, people in their 60s and 70s, 
who actually are reasonable about it and, and see it and they they're not you know they they're not they don't have vested interests in anything or they're not have some wild ideological belief one way or the other it's just like they're reasonable and they just go well man this just can't keep happening this has got to stop and and if it doesn't you know if it doesn't stop now it'll get to a point where it can't can't be stopped are we are we are are we at the tipping point? Well, mate, the ozone layer fixed itself. Well, that's right. After, no, once you get rid of the once you get rid of the problem, like nature's very good at fixing itself. It does it. You know, it, that's what it does. That's why it's still here after billions and billions. It, it 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 finds a way to keep going. But if you just keep pumping the toxins into it and and the things that are making it die, and you just keep doing it, it'll get to the point where it can't fix itself. And it's and you lose, or it'll really just flip us off. Yeah, well, that's yeah. You know, it'll be like a dog. It'll just and we're the fleas, and it'll just shake us off. I, I heard um, uh, an interesting guy, geologist, talking a while ago, and he says it takes I think 150 to 200 years if there was no humans for Earth to re- regenerate itself that you wouldn't know that we were here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yep. it would bring everything in, crumple yeah, it, forget about us real quickly. Yeah. Yep. It does, and it's got it's got a remarkable ability. But what you know, but in saying that, what you and you're already seeing, it, you're just losing all the little tiny diversities of nature. They're the first things to go, you know, the least resilient things. Um, they're the first things to go. They can't be replaced, and you're gonna you're gonna lose all, a lot of this shit. It's just yeah, it's um, it's kind of sobering. Yeah, for real. Mm. Sean. We're an hour and 18. Oh, good. That was a good chat. That was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I will say, I will finish. Yeah. I'm an optimistic motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, um, I wanted to say. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> closing, closing thoughts. Yes. And that, like I said, mate, I'm eternally optimistic that one, it can fix the system and two, we can fix the damage the system has done. It's like, it's, and like, mate, it's common sense and it's sitting there and people are real, realizing it. You've just got to, you've just got to nudge these these guys out of the frame and 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 just put in a system that, that works for the future it doesn't work for the next electoral cycle like a system like new zealand yeah well there's there you go there's the well that, that's a step in the right direction yeah for sure you know that's a, a government that they seem to be really good at standing on their own and saying no we're pretty good over here yep. just leave us alone totally Yep. Well, they've you know they've banned. They've got a moratorium on all future oil and gas exploration because they're going to look for they're going to. And that that's all. What happens is that, like the way and, and all the talk is we're going to get away from all this. You know, scomo today. Uh, we're you know we're keeping up our targets. It's all bullshit. You can't while well, you keep adding new developments and tapping new stuff, and it's just going to perpetuate the problem down the track. You kind of just need to keep stuff in the ground and focus all your energy into making making a system that works for good, you know? It's like, I really wish, like, I'd be happy if climate change turned out to be fake. Because, but at least we've gone and done and, and built this system that stopped pollution. It's like, it creates endless energy. It, it protects, you know, it keeps a clean planet. It's like, it makes sense anyway, if you can take the climate change argument out of it. The Aboriginals lived here for two hundred thousand years, and uh, in harmony, they did all right. They yeah. did fucking. They did all right, and it's like, and it 
well that, that's what that's what you're, you're you're up against you've got basically the whole like basic human nature is that is that you hand on something that's better to the next generation you know and it, and that goes and it, that worked pretty good for 60,000 years here with those guys and they live by that you know they were really really conscious of of making sure that of understanding the land to the point where they knew where it was stressed and they knew where it wasn't and they knew when the animals were stressed and how and they made a system that could keep going and that worked for all that time until we came along but it's just these last couple of it's literally in the space of one generation now we're seeing that really threatened that we, we are likely to be a, the generation that's going to hand down something that's really fucking degraded and potentially kind of terminally degraded and may not be able to be fixed so what's one thing that I could change to make it change do you know what I mean mm-hmm. I don't understand like you know I don't know what I can do but apart from going to a paddle out you know I don't recycle anymore because yep. I'm because they chuck it in a landfill here I'm anyway. Fucking over that I know, facade. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, but you know, like in a good direction. Have you thought, like, you know, obviously you've thought about this a lot. Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, if you're voting age, mate, really, really take an interest in in what these people are, are putting forward and vote for the least worst option. Like everyone's everyone who you're going to have to vote for is going to have something you don't like guaranteed so i'm a so, bit scared because i haven't voted for about 12 years okay no i've never voted actually yep. it's a lie um and so i'm worried if i go and <laughs> are you gonna get I, you they know. tried to find me actually they tried they sent me a fine from 12 years ago how was that for a, it was crazy but um but i would i if you're a voting age that's that's the only thing do you know that really interesting thing down here i know we were trying to wrap it up but a quick one no it's all we good. were we were literally a couple of days away from the bite being nominated for world heritage listing and all of this bullshit to be gone and you know why because everyone paddled out here in torquay hold on back it up okay the the Nash, the the federal election in may this year yeah all right the seat we're in right now karangamite is yeah. the most marginal seat the one Damo was running for yeah one Damo was yeah marginal most marginal seat in victoria one of the most marginal there's only a few hundred votes in it um the bite issue blew up in the middle of it. Thousands of people turned up to two paddle outs. So clearly there was a lot of votes in it. Neither party wanted to touch it because it's electoral poison. They were so... What happened closer as the days ticked down to the election, it got the, the parties were so worried that this seat might decide the whole country. I remember Damo saying something yep, about this. That this, yeah. this seat might decide the whole country. That they started thinking about what they what they could offer to buy this seat, and they they made they they threw three billion dollars at this seat because it was so marginal. And then in the days to the elect ticking down to the election, and you remember Labor was supposed to win, like Labor were unbackable favourites. It was like the Liberals were about to get wiped off the planet. And two days after the election. Um, Bill Shorten was toying with the idea to to guarantee the surf vote here and the coastal vote was was to to lock the bite up, and that only came out a few weeks ago. Now was it the? F- he was that close to doing it, and then and in the end, it didn't fucking matter because he got they didn't win. Is it one because someone went to the Adani thing, or was it something to do with the franking credits? Oh yeah, it's, it's a whole and Bill Shorten himself. 
But it was also as a whole. <laughs> but it was it was a lot of self interest, like that franking credit bullshit and and all the scare tactics and the Adani thing. You know, they painted that as a backfire, but it's you know. Um, but this thing, just to show you the power of of strategically, if you can, the, that group of people almost flipped the whole thing. It almost saved the bite right there, just by. Torquay, not all, not even all the other ones in all the other seats around the country. Just that one was almost enough to do it. So if you really, if you know, you've got some people that that kind of know how it works, and that's the only thing these guys listen to. It's fucking sad. You know, they they will only only make decisions in their own self interest. I've come to the conclusion. It's and to save their political asses. That's that's the way it works. So you've got to play the game. It's but sadly, I mean, that seems to be in so many. So I know, much, yeah. You know? It's in business. It's in politics. It's where, yeah. It's it's everywhere. So, um, but that was that was to me was kind of mind blowing because it's like, man, it was so close to, and just on that. So if why is it not on the World Heritage list? Yeah, well, it's just there's too much money out there to be made. That's right. It's you know, midnight oil should come. Are they back? They should be back. Peter Garrett. Yeah. Like 90s oils, 80s oils. I've been listening to a lot of oils lately. How good is it? It's so so timely for now. Oh, yeah. It's almost like what they're singing about is so now. Yep. I've been listening to a whole bunch of oil stuff, um, kind of later era oils where it got super political and it's actually... Beds are burning and all that. It's actually... It belongs more now, yeah. like blue sky mining, yeah, yeah. all this stuff, mining companies, yeah. all this stuff. Mate, that was twenty years ago. I was singing about that. It was they really they had it. So, but yeah. So if you're voting age, really think about where your vote goes. Um, and for everyone else, just I don't know. Think about what you use. It's mm. just really just be aware of of. Every little thing you use and where it's come, where it's come from, how much, how much resources have gone into making it, and where it's going to go. And we're getting information from mainstream and, media like it's foolish. Oh, there's a lot of garbage out there. Yep. Yeah. Yes. It's, but not nah, optimistic. <laughs> I'll wake up tomorrow morning and I'll go surfing and it'll be good. Oh, so. I know we've got a lot to be thankful for. Like we, yeah. great lives. Um, yep. Did that dude kill himself? Which one? In the jail in New York. Oh, Epstein. Epstein. <laughs> I can't offer you a, a perspective on the uh, the Jeffrey Epstein scandal. <laughs> it was a bit convenient though. Oh my God. I, know. <laughs> it, I went down a, little, a rabbit hole the other it day. Was, it was a little bit convenient, that one. <laughs> Fucking crazy. For a lot, of, a lot of rich, famous people. I love. I mean, I don't love it, but I've been. I put my head down a rabbit hole the other day and just looked as much uh, the articles and. Oh yeah. There's there's it's, conspiracies running mate, deep. There is crazy shit happening everywhere, mate. Is that the best thing you can do? Is is just find space. There's too much stuff to be. You can be bombarded with this stuff, and I have, I've got to pull myself out of a lot of this stuff from time to time because it's just it's too depressing. And it's too consuming, you know. You just got to pick little bits where you can make a difference and and get in there and do it. Yeah, and then uh, stand with some sand between your toes. <laughs> yep, and plan to do that tomorrow morning. 
Nice. Sean. Bill John. Thank you so much. Good chat, mate. Cheers. Really enjoyed that. Yeah, me too. Thank you. Well, there you have it. There was my chat with Sean Doherty. Um, if that doesn't leave your head spinning, I don't know what will. Uh, there's a lot to chew on there, um, lots to think about. Um, and, you know, like, look, I'm looking out the window. The sun's streaming in out of the west. There's lots of green trees. Uh, and and things are pretty nice, you know, Um Things are nice. We are lucky in so many sense and and um, for where we live. Uh, but this world, I suppose, you know, at some point we're going to have to stand up and protect it. I don't know. Maybe we could leave, not leave, take a note out of, um, uh, I'm going to fuck, I'm going to say his name wrong, Emiliano Zabata. You know, maybe we need to find the Emilio Zabata, uh, start a revolution you know, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I really don't. I really don't. Because I really enjoy waking up in the morning and seeing the greenery, having a cup of coffee and listening to some tunes. But I think there's bigger fish to be fried because um, it's easy to stick your head in the sand. It really is. It really is. So if you're a young person out there and you're not voting yet, like you're not of the age, um, and you happen to be listening to this, the future is in your hands, dude. The future is in your hands. Sleep tight. Anyway, thanks so much for listening. Um, and I hope this finds you smiling wherever you are. Until next time, catch you later. <laughs>